Let us know what guests you'd like to hear on the show by sending a DM on Instagram or Twitter. Follow us on all socials at Battle Approved. That's at Battle Approved. Hey, this is Chris James from the Battle Approved podcast. This is for the modern day entrepreneur in business, sports and entertainment. Now we say it's a lifestyle and a sacrifice and it does take die hard commitment to become Battle Approved. And today our guest is Keegan Kincaid. Who is Keegan Kincaid? Well, we're going to find out. Keegan, how's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But yeah, things are going really cool. So hey, Keegan, I wanted to have you on the podcast, obviously, for a key reason. Battle Approved Motors is uh, sponsoring you for the 22 season. And you're going to be helping us kind of move like our race development with our race vehicle forward over the next couple of years. So I'm really excited by that. And I'm just wondering, like... Maybe the best thing would be to like, you know, one, like, hey, welcome. And I'm really looking forward to like what we're going to be working together on. And uh, secondly, like to people that are listening to this podcast, like let's kind of like, well, I'd say not dumb it down, but like ex- explain first maybe what um, what short course is to the listeners. Yeah, you know, it's about the future and, um, you know, future of the sport and future of, you know, my family and in the generations below and. Chris, you're really passionate about just the conversations we had about um, the youth and um, involving them and how can we help them. And um, that's kind of what's, you know, sparked my interest. And, you know, electric, is it the future? I think it's got to definitely has a space in the industry, whether it's um, UTV or OEM and um, definitely want to be a part of this and, and moving forward. And, you know, as far as short course goes, so short course, I've been involved with short course off-road um, since 2011. I, I've been involved with it further than that, but I've raced it since 2011. My dad was um, racing it previously before me through for 30, 30-something years. And um, it's really just been um, you know, a long journey. It's been in my blood. And so I don't know anything else mm. short course racing. And um Short course is is hard to explain. Short course is a combination of MX versus monster truck versus desert racing, all in one. You know, it's in a it's in a caged environment. We're in we're racing short course, jumping two hundred feet, twenty feet in the air, side by side. Body panels are flying off the trucks. The most intense <laughs> racing that you can ever see in person is um short course off-road racing you know robbie gordon once said that short course is the best kept secret in all of racing and um, i truly believe that and you know we're working to to try to grow it and grow the sport and you know looking towards the future and i'm excited to to be a part of that yeah i kind of say i kind of say the same thing like because obviously you know when we were filming the mod kids films over the last five years it's like trying to explain it to someone i kind of like saying well it's like you know i was saying it's like supercross it's like on a short track but you wouldn't be able to fit a short course truck track even in a stadium but it's not racing in the desert so it's kind of like if you could it's like a bmx track for trucks really isn't it like the like how bmx track is shaped 
that is what a short course track is like. And then you just like make it a lot bigger so it fits these huge trucks on it. That's kind of how I explain it to my friends. Yeah, yeah. And so we race on anything from half mile tracks to 1.8 mile tracks. You know, we go to Crandon where we race a, a land rush start like motocross and uh, we funnel into turn one and but you're in 800 900 horsepower trucks that are two-wheel drive four-wheel drive trucks that um, are going 110 miles an hour into turn one and um, it's a it is crazy yeah it's just crazy and um, it's even crazier in person because you can get so close and and feel and smell and and, um, taste the dirt it's just something that's uh, undescribable you know we're all on dirt not on no asphalt and um it, it, it's cool it's definitely uh the most I, i've raced some different stuff in my time and i'd have to say that this is probably the the coolest experience out of all of them this is the battle proof podcast with your host chris james yeah i think the hardest thing is like you know i'm a filmmaker also is to to get how exciting it is onto video and I, I i would say even like us doing it for five years and even like say like everyone that's kind of filmed the midwest series over the years have tried numerous things i mean lucas on the west coast have like their own television network and i'm i'm pretty adamant in saying to, to now that you cannot get the excitement across on tv and you have to actually be there. Um, I think like when you're mentioning the future, um, the future, you know, that's what I like about like filming the kids because technically they are the future of racing. It's going to have to, you know, you've got to create, it's like any sport, you've got to have a star of the sport, right? So you've got like, you know, Tiger Woods of golf, Lance Armstrong from cycling. I mean, look, cycling is not that exciting. Tour de France can be when you watch it with, um, the commentators bigging it up and stuff. But if you went Tour de France cycling to short course trucks, I think I know what is the most exciting. And so I think it's just going to take, just going to, like you say, it's just going to take more passion. It's going to take like families like yourself, like are in it. You're going to have mo- probably multiple generations of um, King Cades racing. You already have with your father and yourself. And then you've got, you've got your, uh, you've got your kids coming up. And, but, you know, when you mentioned that land rush start at Crandon and you mentioned Crandon, this Labor Day weekend, it's not unknown. This is one, one weekend of the year where short course becomes absolutely massive and you've got 60,000 plus people there. I mean, it'd be great if every race could be 60,000, but you've got 60,000 people there. You've got 50 plus years of how this short course track was built like just the history of that and an amazing documentary that would be um the land rush start into that first corner 60,000 people red bull but you know brands like red bull coming on board yeah. you're now the the red bull crandon world cup champion right reigning champion yep. um how can we create more crandons you know i think it's um the culture behind you know, what Crandon is and how it was built up on volunteers and passionate. Mm. Um, it wasn't involved in the money. It wasn't involved in, you know, it was 
guys that got together that really enjoy racing and they they've built it to what it is today and it's something that's been consistent you know short course you know you know previously whether it's owners or you know hasn't been really consistent with ownership throughout the series but as far as like tracks like crandon and even bark river you know it's the Mm. heritage and the culture and the atmosphere that is brought it's not just the racing it's the it's the pits and it's the camaraderie between drivers and fans and you know the the week long the parades it's it's everything else like when someone comes to crandon it's a it's a different you know they they'll be back you know, it's, it's something that you go to and you say, all right, I'm yeah. missing one of these ever again. You know? And so it, it's, and that's why we say it's the best kept secret because we have to get people there. Well, Cranon's a town of 2000 people max, and we turn it into a town of 60,000 on Labor Day weekend and the service is gone. Everything kind of, you know, changes for that one weekend. And it's really cool and it's continually grown you know it's almost outgrown what it can hold capacity wise and you know we've had good racing and and it's been something that's it's been the heritage of crandon and that's what crandon is known for is the world championships and you got like you said you have sponsorship involved of red bull you know lucas oils there tire companies you know wheel companies everybody wants a, a part of crandon whether it's the series or not and um um, and I only see it it growing and continue to grow and continue to advance. And you know, if you haven't been there, you have to you have to get there. You know, if you love off road racing. Yeah, I think it's something at Battle Approved we're going to like highlight through twenty twenty two. Obviously, with with our partnership, it, that makes sense. Um, the the passion of off road racing, like the races and the fans. It is um, quite a different connection to other sports because I can remember going to my first short course race. It was on the West Coast. It was in Vegas. But you can go up to the pits. You know, you can like everyone can walk around and go up to any driver and speak to them if they're there. That's that's quite rare. And you know, in terms of short course and the way it's been built up, it's it's kept it like that. It's very grassroots. So when you talk about marketing, these big marketers talk about grassroots and all this, but they really don't know what grassroots is because grassroots is like, is the grind. It's, you've got to, you put everything into it. Like if you have a hundred dollars, you're going to put the hundred dollars into your truck and, and get onto the track with or without any sponsors. Um, so I guess like, so you see your dad, was in short course. I don't. I would imagine that you were inspired by your dad and his wins and doing short courses. Why you got involved in it? Maybe like tell us a little bit like yourself as a kid and watching your dad drive. Like how he's how he got into it and what you remember when you see, see when you were seeing him race. What kind of what inspired you to do it? Yeah, you know when when I was a kid, you know, growing up on the hill of Crandon, you know the spectator hill watching you know whether it was my dad or you know he was in pro light at the time i think they it was class seven they called it at the time and um you know he was successful my dad was successful he had good sponsorship he had 
you know, good people around him and he's done, he's done well for himself. You know, he's built a, a legacy of his own. And, you know, I saw that you, but when you're a kid, you never imagine being in that position, never even given the opportunity. You know, I was huge into sports. I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed basketball, football, and my dad's never really pushed me to, you know, race. You know, he's given me the opportunity. He said, Hey, you know, you want to, he's given me a lot of opportunity to, but he allowed me to pursue my passions, which was basketball at the time. Um, I'm very competitive. So, you know, whether it was basketball or football or racing, or if we're just playing a board game, I hate losing. So I, <laughs> I give credit to a lot of that as the competitive nature of, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make sure that I'm there and capable of doing it. And, you know, my dad gave me an opportunity to race in 2011 and, you know, I, I was, I was excited, but I, there was a lot of unknown, you know, it's like starting mm-hmm. fresh with anything you've ever done. And, um, I've grown up in Wisconsin, grown up in the snow, sliding around on the ice, doing some different stuff like that, but I've never raced professionally. I've, I've been competitive. Um, but up until 2011, I've never raced competitively. So when I got yeah. the opportunity from my dad, you know, he's like, all right, you know, we built this pro light. It was V eights when they converted from the four cylinder days to the the V eight at that time. And, um, he allowed me to, you know, we went out and, you know, I was fairly successful right away. You know, the second year, 2012 was my first full year of racing. You know, came on, I think I was third in the points in the end. Well, in 2013, I won my first championship in pro light. And, um, from there that kind of sparked, you know, my career really took off from there. Traxxas was a huge part of that. You know, they, they funded a lot of my beginning of my program. You know, my dad was involved with Traxxas. Um, Mm -hmm. and that actually sparked my career. And, you know, we just never looked back from now and now 10 years later, you know, I would have never imagined being where I was at today, you know, and I, I still don't feel any different. I, you know, I'm no different than that kid on the Hill. You know, when I was younger, I, I feel like I'm that same guy and have that same passion and, and I enjoy it. You know, I don't consider this a job. I consider it a passion and, you know, I just continue to give a hundred percent effort and, you know, whether it gets put out or not, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I'm committed and I want to do this for a long time. What you just said there, that kid on the hill, that's, I might have to like put a subtitle on this podcast, <laughs> Keegan Kincaid, that kid on the hill. I mean, that, that you could, you could like do a little kind of video based on that. Um, that's really cool. And also anyone that's listening, Traxxas is a radio control car company. I think like the number one radio control car company uh maybe in the world but definitely in the united states take battle approved wherever you go 24 7 we're worldwide, baby. Regarding, let's let's talk a little bit about sponsorship. So you had Traxxas help you from the beginning. You've got this amazing guy, mechanic, that's kind of building you this champion. I mean, you're in this truck that's got 
a good opportunity on winning a championship through your dad, Jeff Kincaid. How, how do you then turn maybe one sponsor into two sponsors or three sponsors? Like, what, what have you done to, like, get sponsors and try and keep those sponsors on board? Because I noticed, like, a lot of races, they have one, like, a, say, like, a logo on their truck one year and then it changes to the next. But I kind of, like, see with you, your partners have stuck with you. So what? let's look at it this way. If someone is racing now or wants to get into racing and it doesn't have to be short course and it can be any age like a parent looking after their kid to some guy with a load of money that just wants to race how now i don't want to call it secrets but what do you think has made you successful in um, getting sponsors and keeping sponsors on board and like any words of wisdom to anyone that's listening and go like how can i do that like what would you kind of like tell them yeah i think the you know yeah, I thought maybe in my younger years, I didn't really understand this, but as I get older and, and, um, understand the sponsorship and relationship side of it, it really is a relationship. It's, it's some, someone that you want to work with, whether it's a sponsorship, you know, whether it's Cooper tire for me or vision wheel, I've been with these guys for a really long time and it's, we share the same values, you know, whether it's that company shares the same values or you know, we're family oriented, same with Lucas oil, Lucas oil, family aren't oriented for me, you know, Forrest Lucas family, you know, Morgan, mm-hmm. it, we, we have the same values and the same passions and we can relate. And when you can put a hundred percent into that, if I don't feel a hundred percent, um, on board with something, you're not going to give a hundred percent effort. I guess if that, if that you, if you understand what I'm saying, um, yeah, yeah. If I'm not truly passionate about it or if we don't relate, then it's hard. I think I think a lot of people get in trouble because of monetary value over I guess when you can relate to a product or you can actually use a product or you know, you share the same passion with this company or the same goals, you can advance a lot faster, you can grow together, you can continue to pursue that in the end you know what that objective is, whether it's you know, brand awareness or helping them sell product. I, I think that's something that is lost. I think people look at the monetary value of it and say, well, look, I can put this, I can put this logo on my car, but I need this amount of money. Well, companies don't want that anymore. I think, you know, mm. I want someone that's going to be involved with my program. I want someone that I can, I can work with, I can call, I can depend on, and they, and I want to give them back to them. I want to develop a, a legitimate relationship with my sponsors. And, and that's something that I think is lost. And that's how I, I was raised, you know, and so very family oriented, you know, our values, you know, honor and, you know, develop. And when I develop a relationship with a company, I want to have when I get involved with them, I want to have a long-term relationship, you know, that we can grow even past racing. And so, you know, that's, that's where I always look at when someone approaches me or I approach someone, can I work with them? Can I, you know, develop a personal relationship where we can grow together? And so I think that's something that's been lost and, um, hopefully we can just continue to do that. Yeah. I think like, um, you know, I guess it w- it's hard for smaller companies or brands that haven't got that brand recognition to even be recognized. One, one thing I noticed, like, you know, 
say monster energy for instance like monster energy all you got to do is put the green m on anything and you know what it is it's like the mcdonald's m sign right like everyone knows what it is so if someone's sponsored by monster yeah it's on the door and you see it at short course you see it at um you know supercross and everything and like ufc fighting monsters on the floor and then you've got all these other logos around and unless that company's spending a lot of money then yeah, like just putting a logo on the UFC canvas or on a truck is not going to really help that brand, in my opinion. It's part of it. It could be like 10%, but you've got to work out what the other 90% is. And I think that's where things go wrong. And I think that's why people jump ship a lot quicker. And I think like, I would say, I don't know the deals between races and sponsors, but yeah, it's down, you know, the sponsor, whether they're paying or giving products or whatever, they want the best for their product, but then are they working with the the right drivers? Because I think like just wearing a logo on a shirt or putting on a truck, I don't think that's the answer to success, especially for smaller brands. But by building a relationship, what is a relationship? It's time. Time over a long, a long period, you know, long term relationship is what you really want to do. And and then you're because I'm sure the the first sponsors of Monster Energy have great stories to tell like what what about your what about your kids like i know your kids are young but are any of your kids like kind of showing interest in actually wanting to get into a card or something or are they just there and they're just having fun and they don't you know they're they're not kind of um feeling like they want to race they're kind of more like fans and having fun at the track but are, maybe have, have any of your kids shown interest yeah i think uh a parenting has been one of the the coolest experiences and, and watching, you know, what my passion might've been when I was his age differ from what his is. And so, you know, I have a 10 year old, I have two twin year olds. There'll be three here shortly. And I have a, a newborn baby girl. And so I have three boys. The oldest one has definitely started to finally show some interest in racing. He's always dad, dad, I want to be out there when we're at the track. And and I want them to understand the commitment that it actually takes to to do this. Um, it isn't just going to be a show up and drive. And it, it takes being there every day and, and wanting to get better. And so he's get he's starting to get involved with sports. And he's he's, he's really passionate, really competitive like me, um, my 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. So it, it's only a matter of time before I think I give him an opportunity to race in it. But I also want him to experience other things besides racing. And so... Right. Um, I'm allowing him to pursue what, you know, his passion, he's going to do something. And, um, he's starting, I'm excited because he is starting to show some interest in racing and, and wanting to do it and, and do it at a competitive level and hopefully grow to be successful. And so my job is to give him an opportunity to succeed at that, like my dad did. And so he's given me opportunity and, um, I just want to be able to do that for my oldest son too. And so, and, and even the, I have a two year old, the two, two year olds right now are completely different from one another. And, um, mm. but they, uh, you know, one wants to race and one's more energetic and wants to do other things. So it's really cool to see. And, um, I hope I just give them an opportunity to keep growing. So, well, I guess one thing they have got is they have got the opportunity, right? Because they're there and they're seeing it and they're seeing their dad doing it. So that kind of is good inspiration right there. Like I say, you don't have to push them into it. It can be natural. I mean, it might just be natural that they all become racers. We'll see what happens over the years. 
Let's break this down, battle-proof style. Let's go. You race what I call the Midwest uh, series, and it's gone through multiple um, changes of ownership. But it's with Crandon, and the you know that sixty thousand Labor Day weekend has over the years has created some amazing tracks. You know, like Bark River, like ERX is massive. Um, then you've got like Dirt City, which is a new one. The the people that own the series now and are filming this series i think the owners are the people also filming and that has been going on for maybe two or three years how, how do you think that's going like do you think i guess like change of ownership is something that people don't want because it kind of makes people feel a little bit anxious like oh what's going to happen next season what's going to happen next season it's, it's better to go we know what's happening next season which is what's been happening with uh what which is now called core uh, championship off road pays homage to I guess how it kind of all started. Let's talk like let's talk about today. Like so the season's over. You're the you're the 2021 Pro 2 champion. You're the 2021 Red Bull Crandon World Cup champion, which is Pro 2 versus Pro 4 being thrown onto the track UFC craziness and you won that too. How are things looking for short course in the Midwest? Yeah, I think you know, everybody's really cautious with change, you know, whatever, whatever change is, you know, the series core has done a great job of adapting and giving opportunity to drivers and sponsors. No, they they have done a good job of progressing at a different rate than other previous owners have done. So we had to change something up. So mm. involving drivers, involving sponsors, but um, yeah, um, ERX, we, what one thing that's been stable in the Midwest has been the tracks, right? And they've been yeah, right. They've really been the backbone, I guess, to short course off road. You know, yeah, we have you have drivers like myself that have continued through this. Kyle Laduke, you know, Johnny Greaves. There's been few that are doing it for a living that have actually stuck by him. And so we all, in the end, want what's best, you know, for short course off road racing. And whatever, we all have different opinions on it. And it's just important that we support each other in growth. You know, whether it's core or the racers and sponsors, we all have the same end goal. It's just how do we get there? And so I'm excited. Um, I'm supporting them. I Whatever we can do to help this grow and get to different locations. But I see, I definitely see we're going in the right direction. And I, I look forward to being a part of it. Follow us on all socials at Battle Approved. That's at Battle Approved. Yeah, so I, I kind of kind of came across the series probably like in 2013, 14. Um, probably 2014. And then it was like touring a little bit. Like I think like maybe oh, there'd be like a race at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. 
maybe they'd be going down to Charlotte and have a sh short course track there. Now you've got the aspect of like, oh, getting a sport out to other markets. So that's exciting. When you did it, was it kind of, did, did you just take it like, oh, this is great and just traveled there or like having to travel away from these tracks, going to Charlotte, going to Sturgis and stuff, longer journeys. Is it kind of like, kind of more annoying doing the traveling or is it just, what's your thought on that? Because obviously with the West Coast racing and the Midwest racing, there was a point in time where it could have got together. And we don't need to go into the stories of how that was going to happen or wasn't going to happen because it didn't happen. And both both West Coast and Midwest want to have a national series. Like, you know, you could almost go as far as to say, if I want to play devil's advocate here, is like once that happens and there's money put into that and making it a true national series, maybe short course will get that break and maybe more people will get into it and maybe we can create more stars from it. But... The actual, the track, like, I don't really like traveling that much myself. So, like, traveling long distances and then having a race professionally and stuff must be really hard work. What, what's your take on the traveling aspect then? And then if it's going to come up, do you think it's needed? Yeah, um, you know, the series of, you know, we've traveled anywhere from California to North Carolina to, you know, we, we've, we've went across, you know, and they've had different venues. We've had racing at oval tracks where they've set up temporary tracks cool. and we've, you know, whether that's at Sturgis or, um, those venues are, I, I enjoy going to them. Um, but the great venues, I'm sure. Yeah. They're great venues, but there's, there's also a lot of work involved in that and a lot of mm. monetary sp value spent, whether it's, you know, mm. hauling trucks there and setting up tracks on the series side of it and mm. marketing and brand awareness and getting, you know, how do you get the fans in there? How do you, so there's a lot that has, you know, it always seems that we always reach out, but we end up coming back to the tracks that are, have been stable and that have grown a crowd mm -hmm. and, and what have they done to be successful? You know, and I think that is the culture around it. You know, the people that are here in the Midwest, you know, they are, approachable anybody will come up and talk to you you know and it's a, a different atmosphere anybody that comes to race in the midwest whether you know stronghold came they loved it you know they love the camaraderie you know and even between racer to racer we can go to pit to pit and have a conversation with one another and you know i don't know if they've had that out west you know for the most part it was more of a rival you stay in your pit and i stay in mine and uh, <laughs> it's a it's a whole different atmosphere that has been good. You know, I, I think that's what's been stable. And so when the series grows, my opinion is we have to find tracks that we can do that at. How can we, you know, develop something similar but different, you know, and, and bring maybe the southern side of it. You know, uh, personally, I think Wheatland yeah. would be a, an amazing track to go back to. You know, Forest has yeah. built an amazing track and facility, and there's always a packed crowd there the two years that, you know, we were able to attend. And there's a, there's a lot of potential opportunity. So, um, you can camp, you can hang out. Uh, I think that has been the stability of the race series. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Wheatland track would be ideal, um, for core, or even if it was a, like, a, like a, a dual West versus 
it's, it's hard because you say Midwest, but you want to go East versus West because it's easier to market. But then you go, well, Midwest isn't really East, but then it is to from the West. <laughs> um, but whether, yeah, whether it's a dual, like, I guess it would, for it to work, I think it would probably have to be like, it would have to be like a, a big brand, something like a Red Bull or a Monster or someone else like that, that could, that could sponsor this one-off event. Um, what it's not a shootout it could be like a battle east versus west or it could be added to the core it would make probably make more sense to add it to the core um season you've got lucasaur you've got forest vision on that motorsports park i know people that have been to that park that there was one year where a tornado went through a big storm blew all the stands down and they couldn't race there, but they put it all back together. It's like covered grandstands. You know, the, the grandstands are covered because it, it can be hot there in the summer when they go there. And so you've got this kind of covered grandstands, which is which is like an extra added expense that Lucas Oil have put in. Like, oh, making this, that the whole grandstands covered. So you're not being beaten down by the sun all day. The course is pretty cool and we need a race there, like so. I think like anyone listening to this, core series, Lucas Oil, big sponsors, people that want to get into the sport, like you know, it's gonna have to take a few visionaries and a bit of money to do it. But like, let's try and like get Wheatland on the short course track again. That's kind of my kind of take on it. I mean, even Battle Approved, we'd like to get involved and help. Like say the beginning of the podcast, like you know, we're in the electric field, and you know, by saying electric. I think it's, it's kind of funny to me, but it's kind of sad also, is that like anyone trolling on Battle Approved is from off-road. <laughs> and, but if you look at the, like who's involved in the making up of, you know, like Kenny Osborne, you, Black Rhino Performance has been like built, you know, had UTV company, Fab, you know, like for like over a decade and his kids raced in, in, in short course. And people just like going, you know, electric, that sucks. But there's a lot of cool things with electric, you know, like, our, our vehicles, our race, the race vehicles are going to be minimum, minimum. And with his downplaying at 400 horsepower, right? Um, so you already double the horsepower of like the top of the range UTV that you can buy now. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of short course. I haven't really got into desert because I just like the short course atmosphere. I think like the BMX thing, it reminds me of BMX. So it's like, it's on a BMX track and you've got these cool, cool trucks. You know, the mod carts, the pro lights, pro twos, pro fours. Those are easily the four main classes, in, in my opinion. If you if you want to battle the best, be in the best race vehicles, those are the four classes. UTVs have got a long way to go. Um, I think, like, let me, let me ask you this. This isn't a controversial thing. This is just something really what I think because I've been following short course when there are no UTVs in the series. My my opinion on UTVs being in the series is it's watering down the series. And there's like too many classes and you've got all these UTVs. And I'm not personally that into watching the UTVs race. They're nowhere near as good as those four classes that I've mentioned. And that's the fact. Now, what UTVs does bring to the equation, which is why it's happening, is you've got big brands that have been recreational sports, mainly like jet skis and motorboats, um, snowmobiles. That they're the main leaders in UTVs. So you've got brands, and and also the other thing is you can, you know, if you want to race 
But you weren't able to race before UTVs because you would have to have the money in your bank and pay the builder to build the vehicle for you. Now you could go to a Harley Davidson dealership and, and buy a UTV and you can put it on credit as easy as buying a TV on credit from Best Buy. That's bringing new people into the sport, new racers. Now their personal stories on the financing side, like I'm sure it's like 90% horror stories on that. Um, yeah, having to repay those loans and oh, their kid had one crash and they don't want to race again. I'm sure there's plenty of those. Um, this is long winded. So I'm kind of like dissing the UTVs because it's watering down a sport and they're not as good. And so the crowd probably aren't as into UTVs, but as UTVs, UTVs develop, it's bringing more people, like more people signing up to race, maybe bringing in some new crowd. Like I'm kind of giving my just like freestyle opinion and I, there's like, so I've given a for opinion and a, an against opinion because I'm saying they're watering down the sport. They should have their own, they should have their own series. That's, that's what I think. I think UTV should have their own series and shouldn't even be part of short course. And if, hey, loads of people are going to disagree. Let's be controversial on this podcast right now. <laughs> but like, I, I can see that I see the future of UTVs and how they're going to get better. I guess like, let's, let's hear your take on it. I think, uh, um, it's a balancing act. I think, um, what's too much and and um what's not enough i think yeah they they might have a a part in the series but i think the series right now is figuring out where that sits because you know Mm -hmm. obviously you know all these major brands want to be involved with it and they have you know money to spend on pushing these and people are buying you know utvs and they can get credit on it so what is too much and um i completely agree i think that you know, there's an opportunity to have their own series and, you know, the Greaves have done that. And, um, yeah, that's true. But, you know, is there a part in short course? Yeah, I think there is, you know, my opinion, I think there is a a space for them. Do I enjoy watching them? No, but, um, you know, I think, I think that, um, it, what it has done that I do enjoy is there has been like Kyle Chaney, has moved up from the UTV side of it. We've brought him into short course and he's, he's moved up to pro four and mm, yeah, you have uh Adrian Chinney and um, then you had who they call the wild man. And then, mm-hmm. then you have uh, Kyle Chaney. Okay. So Kyle has been a part of like um, UTVs probably since the start of it. Mm-hmm. He's grown into short course, loved short course has purchased a pro four and has moved up in class. So that's where I I'm oh. torn. And so that hopefully it does become a pro- uh, progression class um, where they move up to the pro light, pro two, pro four, and it, it, it grows the series. I look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, anyone that's listening, I'm, I'm definitely not out to this UTVs. Um, you know, part of that inspiration is like, we want them to be better. We want them to be like a, a pro two um uh, yeah that's part of what we we our plan with battle approved and i think like with battle approved we want to make sure that we have a really solid race model that we can then take to a consumer model um so really we're starting like at a professional race vehicle first and then taking that to the consumer model a little bit like maybe like like a ferrari and a lamborghini kind of did back in the day it's it's got to work on the racetrack research and development is going to be really exciting because we're, we're in that stage now now research and development 
is go- going on all the time in racing, like every second. Like you, you're the champion, but like you, like you want to be the champion again. Or the technology and the setup, the amount of time that you guys put into breaking down the truck and putting it back together and making sure that every part is like what it needs to be. Um, I guess you got a lot to thank your dad for that because like he's you know he's part hey at the end of the day you and your dad you're a team right yep yeah we uh you know my dad's basically taught me everything that i know and so he uh you know whether it's like i said we won the championship and we're building a new truck and some people think you know why are you building a new truck well that's what i was gonna say is like you've already got the championship and it goes back to that never settling because there's always someone that's that's always pushing to be better right and so those people always progress and you can't get left behind. You always have to keep in being innovative and trying new things. And sometimes they don't work. You know, what's, you know, what's funny is, is you will fail on some of those things that you're trying, whether it's, you know, you're trying new mm-hmm. ideas, you'll fail, but that's where it comes in adversity and you learn to, you know, Hey, we try again, we're going to persevere. We're not going to give up. We never settle. We, you know, continue to push through. And, and that's what I think made, you know, my dad and myself successful is, you know, is, is that mentality. Yeah. I think to be successful is like, they do say you have to go through multiple failures to get success. It's it's very rare that you can just jump into something and have success. Of course, there are the one-offs that have done it, but I think if you look at everyone's backstory, like even like a musical artist like shoots in at number one and they go like how lucky are they number one but behind the scenes it's it's a lot of work and it literally with most things when it comes you know like being professional stuff you've almost like almost got to throw away your personal life a little bit like you, you've got to be so focused on your career and that can take a decade you know even if you're like a four-year-old kid and then you become a pop star at 14. They go, oh, like 14, pop star. Well, if you look at the history of that 14-year-old kid, they've been doing it since they were four and singing and and and, and learning the business. Yep. Um, so It didn't happen in a day. Yeah. Didn't happen in a day. And I guess like one thing we could say is like failure is good. Like you don't think of it at the time. But it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you stronger and you're going to become more successful. You're going to learn from it. That's a pretty good thing to end yeah. this podcast in. Yeah. It's like, hey, fail. Make make sure you fail and you'll be yeah, successful. Yeah. No, and that that's the truth. Like fail all my failures have made me who I am today. And um if I didn't have those failures, you know, I I don't think I'd be who I am. I don't think I would, you know, be as successful because it, and that goes back to you have to try. You have to take chances. You have to, you know, it, it's okay to fail because you know, tomorrow's a new day and you're going to get another chance and you're going to push forward and, you know, you put your best foot forward, you learn from your mistakes and progress. And so that's just what, you know, my, my mentality philosophy of life has been is, is all those experiences that you've had previously have made you who you are and you'll continue to have failure and you'll continue. And hopefully you're, you're someone that you can look back on and, and be proud of. So. I say opening your eyes first thing in the morning is the biggest blessing you could have. Yes, I agree on that. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, Keegan, I really appreciate your time on this. And obviously, we're looking forward to 
the new season. We're just excited the way things are going and I'm just like, you know, glad that we're still involved in short course through the mod kid stuff and I'm sure there's a lot of things like now now we're partnered together on with Battle Approved, Keegan Kincaid and Battle Approved Motors. Like there's a lot of kind of interesting things that we can kind of work towards. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. I, I look forward to the opportunity uh, to grow and the potential to, you know, our future and, and what we can do. And I'm excited for it. And I look forward to, you know, 2022 is the first step in the, the right direction. Mm-hmm.